The Kinkier World podcast is for adults only. We ask that all listeners be responsible for their own safety when they engage in play. We're not responsible for their actions. Picture this. I'm a bag of dicks. Put me to your lips. From Nobody Speak, the song by DJ Shadow featuring Run the Jewels. Welcome. Welcome to, I believe it's the 71st episode of the Kinkier World Podcast. And joining me on the 71st episode of the Kinkier World Podcast is my pup, the very special, the very popular, Evie. Hello. How goes, Evie? Going pretty good. Busy day. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, the weather was pretty good today. Yeah, it was. It's like fall and stuff now. Like fall, but there was sun. Yeah, as opposed to fall and just rain. Yeah. Now, of course, the sun had fucked off solidly by seven and change. Uh, but I enjoyed it while it was there. So, uh, But yeah, there's, there's that. It's the, the weather's nice. It's a good day, I think, all in all. I've got some nice refreshing water for this podcast, so I'm not parched. Um, and, uh, let's just get, let's just crack right on. There's a couple of things, a couple of news. Uh, it's been a little quiet, uh, at least on the non, like, super depressing news front. Um, fuck. Uh, let me actually look up this person's name. Uh... <laughs> Oh, I really wish they wouldn't say her accuser. His accuser. <clears throat> so, uh, a little bit of news. Um, uh, there's been a little lull, I think, in the kink news. It isn't just, like, completely depressing. Um, take, for example, the... Uh, we're... Uh, we're right in the middle of a confirmation, Supreme Court confirmation hearing. And a woman has come forward, uh, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, who had a apparent encounter with the with uh, the candidate, uh, and she's been very brave and come forward and given her account. And it looks like things are happening fairly predictably. A lot of people are calling that into doubt, calling her, you know, attacking for personal motivation. Uh, because if you look at all the people who have accused powerful men of sexual harassment, you just see them all incredibly wealthy and so well off. So, again, I think I think it's absolutely that's um, very brave of her that she's come forward, and I hope uh, she is able to feel uh, she receives justice in some way, um, and somewhat more salient to kink uh but also somewhat depressing uh tumblr is banned creep shots and deep fake porn so for those who don't know deep fake is this computer imagery technique that is designed to very it's like beyond photoshop it, it very effectively can like replace the face of a porn actress with the face of another person and it's all automatic so you know if you wanted to to put like you know your favorite movie star into a porn movie this like technology can do that relatively efficiently and and it's only it's one of those things it's only going to get better at doing this and that um 
I don't know. It's kind of weird to think we're living in a world where like recorded visual um, information can just be so completely manipulated. It feels very black mirror to me. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I think banning creep shots is uh, a great step as well. Uh, any opinion on that, Evie? I mean, I think it's certainly a good thing that they're doing this. I think it's good that they're banning it. My question is, is why wasn't it banned already? Like, if not explicitly in the yeah. rules, like under their existing terms, how is this not something that was like against rules around like impersonating another person or like anything like that? I don't know. Um, but I'm glad they're taking steps forward. I mean, Tumblr is kind of in this weird quagmire of just like, I don't know how many times a day that I get porn bots reblogging my stuff and I'm just one yeah. blog. So there must be like an unfathomable web of porn accounts that are fake or are bots or that are specifically posting this. And I don't necessarily know if it's bot related so much as it is just malicious people online. And I, the scary part about this technology is I don't think on the flip side, unless you know it's coming from this technology, like you can't necessarily prove that like it's, it's fake if you didn't know better. Like if it's a really famous person that you know has never produced anything, that's one thing. But like the potential for like putting somebody's face for revenge purposes using this technology into a porn scene. Like most people, at least at this point, because it's not a technology that many people outside of like this specific part of the internet that's aware of this news is yeah. going to realize that anything like that that looks so real could possibly be fake, especially in video format. I think people understand Photoshop, photos, okay, yeah, those things can be faked and they can be faked well, but like live action video, like you can't, you know, it might be easy to say, oh, maybe that's like a professional impersonator when it's a famous person, but when you make it look like, you know, your ex-girlfriend or something, mm -hmm. you know, nobody has any necessary reason to think that that could be something that got faked. It's, it's so bizarre. Yeah. Um, it's what it, it, it's one of those things where I feel like I just don't know how things are going to turn out in 10 years. Like what it's going to be like is it's just like, you're going to walk by a billboard and see like a picture of your face on like some jacked body or something like that, trying to sell you whatever space, um, you know, sex supplements that we've gotten to. I, I don't know. Anyways, uh, in other somewhat depressing news, the, uh, U S is now number one, so congratulations in uh, STD rate in the industrialized world. So, uh, big congratulations to that. We, we worked really hard. Uh, STD funding has been slashed by about, uh, I think it was, uh, yeah, federal funding to combat STDs has dropped over 40% since 2003. So, that's really allowed us to take first place in terms of you know, diseases that are completely preventable. Um, but they're diseases that uh, sexually promiscuous people get. And as we all know, those people are worse than than other people. So Sarcasm. Sarcasm. Yeah. Sarcasm alert. So much sarcasm. Just sarcasm everywhere. 
sarcasm throughout and uh and just going going through this podcast yeah and i think with this what people need to remember is sti std testing i don't care what you refer to it as i know sti is the more correct term these days but if it gets you to fucking remember what it is i don't care what you call it Testing Mm -hmm. and preventative measures are the best, especially because a lot of these diseases, uh, I think in particular chlamydia, is becoming very antibiotic resistant. Yeah, and gonorrhea as well. Yeah, and so if you are thinking, oh, well, like this isn't so bad, they make medicine for this stuff now, whatever, like hopefully that's not what you're doing, but understand that that's not perfect and you shouldn't really have that as your safety net because unfortunately again these things are becoming more resistant they're getting harder to treat and just be aware of the risks that you take when you in engage in activities and even if like this is this is a big thing and i think those of us who are in sort of more sexual alternative lifestyles polys swingers bdsm kinksters whatever are a little bit more aware on like safer sex practices and maybe the general population is. Uh, but even if you and your partner are not showing symptoms of anything and a potential new partner is not showing symptoms of anything, you can still be a carrier for something. They could have got something from a past sexual encounter that's not yet showing symptoms. If possible, whenever you're thinking about introducing a new partner, get recent tests from them and get recent tests for yourself so that if something does happen, you know where it's coming from, and just to keep yourself safe. And unfortunately, because we have had uh, some people in this community, online kink people, uh, who have apparently failed to accurately disclose their STI status and and or lied about it and have caused harm and undue mental hardship to people as a result. And just be, be thoughtful about your partners. And if you're living in an area where you don't really know how to access testing stuff Planned Parenthood is a great resource and either testing is going to be free or very cheap depending on what it is I think standard testing for uh chlamydia gonorrhea and I can't remember what the other I don't know what their routine tests are that they that they'll do if you say you want an STI panel ideally you should be if you're haven't had one for a while you should do as broad of a spectrum as your doctor (laughs) will allow you to do uh including things like uh hpv hiv uh any of those make sure you get tested for them the less common ones get them every once in a while as long as you you know you haven't had reason to be exposed and your partner has had negative tests but the other ones you should be tested somewhat frequently if you have an open relationship and multiple partners and they have multiple partners because don't want to have antibiotic resistant chlamydia and gonorrhea infesting the whole country that would be awful yep so with that if you are in the u.s or having sex in the u.s uh keep that in mind we are a disease riddled bunch of people (laughs) i saw a channel 4 documentary or i don't remember it was channel 4 i think it was I saw a Channel 4 documentary on the BBC a couple months ago now that was about uh, STI prevention in the UK. And they mm-hmm. it, were interviewing people that were going to sexual testing clinics, clinics basically. And it was surprising, like, how many people that went in or that were thinking about going in. They would be like, yeah, I've had, I've had sex 
with like 40 women this year. I was on a bender when I broke up with my ex-girlfriend and I haven't gotten tested for anything. I don't even really remember all the women I've slept with, but I think I'm fine. <laughs> like not even really worried. And then they catch nothing and they don't have anything. And it's so, it's, it's like, I'm glad that they're not sick, but the idea that you would take that much risk and then just be like, yeah, I don't really want to get tested. I don't think I have anything. <laughs> like what? Yeah. But yeah, no. No, that's, um, yeah. It is, I don't know. It's kind of weird because a lot of countries are at least, like, exposed as being a lot more sexually promiscuous than the U.S. But, um, yeah, maybe we just, we've just completely failed with education. I mean. Condoms, condoms do a lot, y'all. Not when you double bag them. If everyone fucked with a condom. Like, diseases would just disappear. I mean, they're not perfect, but they have they have such a high effective rate that, that things just, like, go away on their own. Because they, they just, they won't... Um, there won't be enough vectors. Yeah, exactly. You, you don't need perfect protection to, to have effective public health outcomes. Which is so, great. Yep. Um... There we go. All righty. Um, so that's that's news. A little bit depressing, but uh, you know, welcome welcome to being in a somewhat alternative lifestyle. Um, you know, I've, for every like, oh, this new movie that actually handles uh, kink, or this new you know pop culture thing that handles kink in a. Uh, in a at least interesting, non-horrifying way, there's going to be a uh, something worse, I guess. So on to the main topic, which is I don't you know I don't know if we've talked about directly on this, and and we we sort of had kind of discussions with friends and stuff like that, and it just seemed like a really good topic to talk about, and that is healthy versus unhealthy BDSM specifically kind of like looking at I think when when I say that a lot of people immediately think about like healthy versus unhealthy relationships which is interesting and one of my like constant sayings is 90% of kink problems are vanilla problems and honestly if you look at it from that like a lot of DS is a lot of unhealthy DS is just an unhealthy relationship um, but I think kind of an interesting aspect, you know, some friends have brought up is people's relationship, even though, um, the relationship with the other person may not necessarily be like outwardly unhealthy, your relationship with BDSM may be unhealthy. So kind of I'll give an example for both sides of the slash here and then Evie maybe if you if you've got thoughts on that you can weigh in um so one would be a top who is controlling perhaps may have issues around trust or abandonment and when uh and, and so uses their dominance in a structured DS relationship to deal with those controlling behaviors in an unhealthy way. So creating rules and structures that are coming from a place of being controlling and not necessarily a place of dominance. And then, so for a submissive, it could be, 
you know, along the lines of, um, you know, just of, of needing to be a people pleaser and finding a DS relationship as a good outlet for that, but never, um, but kind of exposing themselves to, you know, being taken advantage of or, or not finding fulfillment when perhaps, you know, they need to work on the, the bottom line is you don't always need to be a people pleaser. And sometimes that can expose you to abuse. Mm-hmm. I know I, I kind of realized this was, I was, uh, I didn't want to like over project on, on the submissive side of things, but maybe the, do you have like ideas around like kind of unhealthy submissive, uh, relationships with DS? Yeah, I think there can be a lot of ways that people get into unhealthy BDSM relationships, whether they consciously or unconsciously process it. I think one of the big ones that happens for submissives, especially if they're service-oriented, though definitely not always, is wanting to find somebody to manage your life because you're completely unable to manage it yourself. So... Like, you think you need BDSM because you are unable to hold down a job, manage your own finances, keep food on the table, you know, keep yourself clean and healthy, whatever it is. BDSM is meant to help improve your life in small ways, but it should never be a replacement for being able to treat yourself as an adult. And if you can't functionally be an adult on your own without another person there to guide you i would argue there's a strong case to say that you're not mentally prepared for bdsm especially if you're getting into ds and the reason for that is is if you're unable to take care of yourself in an adult fashion and or maybe you're able to do it a little bit and then you get into a ds relationship where suddenly all of those things are now tied to a dominant and suddenly that relationship goes bad for a lot of people, the breakdown of that relationship, if it does go really badly, can fundamentally destroy their ability to continue to adult on their own. And that's a process that submissives who are perfectly healthy and able to take care of them take care of themselves outside of BDSM still have to struggle with. And you aren't able to do that on your own at all. It's going to be that much more difficult to leave a toxic situation, to realize when you're being taken advantage of, and to be able to ask for outside help if you need it in order to be able to leave. In addition, I think sometimes people can treat submission like a tourniquet for their other emotional problems to the point where it kind of becomes like self-harm by proxy which can be a very difficult situation and it can be difficult for people who have a history with self-harm have a history with those types of behaviors to untangle is this relationship something where I'm, i'm harming myself through another person or is this simply a different way of expressing myself of finding relationships that fulfill me and etc and i think the best way that i can think of trying to find that difference if you are concerned about this potentially being something that applies to you requires some introspection, but really it's about how, how does it make you feel to be in this relationship and how do you feel after doing BDSM activities? Because I find for a lot of people, a lot of my friends who struggle with self-harm, self-harm is strictly about tearing down and not building yourself back up, whereas BDSM will be able to build you back up or at least in an ideal BDSM relationship and in a healthy one, you shouldn't feel like complete emotional crap every single time you have a scene i think there's 
scenes that you can do for repentance. There's scenes that you can do for forgiveness. But at the end of those scenes, ultimately, it should be uplifting in some fashion. It should be a, you should end on a positive note. Even if it's the very, very last note of the song, it should end on a positive note. Whereas if it's, if it's, if it's dour, if it's about self-blame, if it's about guilt, if it's about shame, if those are the types of emotions that you are leaving the scene with, it indicates normally that it's a scene that's ended badly or you are perhaps going into it with the wrong intentions if you are desiring to feel that way at the end of a scene. Yeah. And the activities individually, depending on sort of what your self-harm patterns are like, can be difficult or can be easy to distinguish. Oh, this is probably a self-harm behavior or no, it's not. And it can be tricky to untangle. But at the end of the day, you should be seeking a BDSM relationship for something that fulfills you and makes you better rather than tearing yourself down because you don't think that you're good enough to have anything else or be anything else but a lesser human being who's a submissive. And I think those two mindsets are very different from each other. And you can want to be humiliated. You can want to be dehumanized. You can want to feel lesser than. But it's not about being lesser than because you believe that you don't deserve happiness or you believe that you're actual a, a miserable human being at your core. It's about experiencing instances of those moments and exploring instances of those feelings in a controlled way rather than putting yourself through BDSM because you believe you can never be anything but somebody submissive because you're so out of control or because you deserve to be somebody's like whipping boy or whatever for the rest of your life. Yeah. Again, it's a little bit abstract, but I think with some introspection in the moment, you should be able to discern the emotions behind those feelings and those motivations. And I think, and again, I think a lot of that can be said about doms as well. I think um, societally we place, uh, we do sort of communicate with, in particular, men. Um, this is going to, uh, I kind of I kind of hate the fact that I'm just conflating male and dominant. Um I think there uh, there is a specific experience to being a male dominant yeah. in the same way there's a specific experience to being a dominant of any gender or genders. Um, so I, and I think that's the one that you know the the most well. So I, I wouldn't say necessarily. Maybe you can. I think you can talk about the male dominant experience in particular in terms of the struggles there because maybe you just don't know what the female dominant struggles are you know so many struggles yeah a lot of struggles yeah so not not ignoring female dominance and in a it, it's also like one of those things that like i can't even really begin to pretend i'm like oh i've seen all these all these like negative female dom experiences meanwhile i've seen a shitload of negative male dom experiences really coming at it from a place of i'd say controlling is like kind of the biggest um issue like letting um issues around wanting to dictate and direct uh your partner you know being that's what kind of uh you know the fact you're engaged in ds you, you find to excuse those behaviors and it's important for being a whole healthy human being to understand when you're doing things because you want to control another person, 
versus doing things because you're connecting with this person at this DS level. So it's, um, I'm trying to think of some other, I mean, controlling is really super broad. I mean, narcissism, certainly an issue around, uh, that will play into objectification and stuff like that. If you have trouble empathizing with other people, DS is going to make that worse. I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're not already on top of, of your own mental baggage and the issues you bring into a relationship, adding DS to it can oftentimes make that worse. So in the case of coming in with a little bit of narcissism, uh, that's just going to make you kind of, it's going to excuse like behavior that would normally, you know, you would want to to talk with someone and kind of work through. Mm -hmm. So tools, let's talk, let's talk about like tools that, um, uh, that are kind of, or, or is there anything else you wanted to say on that matter? I mean, you, you've had some exposure to, to negative, kind of like bad tops, like just kind of seeing them in the community, hearing about aftermath, kind of stories others have shared with you. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to belabor the point. I think there are certainly traits that that carry across a lot of these stories in terms of what a bad male dom looks like, but I don't necessarily understand like the internal motivations or like what's internally going on behind that i think a lot of times it does really boil down to i think sometimes people who are interested in dominance wants to do so because they want to have absolute control over another person to make it so that person can't hurt them so they want to have like absolute authority in their relationship so that way the other person is not allowed per se to do anything that would threaten their masculinity or threaten their authority in the relationship, their ability to make decisions. And I think sometimes bad dominance can be a really overactive form of defense against uncomfortable feelings in a relationship that come with the sort of compromise that you oftentimes have to do in a vanilla or in an egalitarian relationship that people perceive as not needing to happen in a BDSM relationship. When in reality, though the terms look different, the same kind of negotiation happens to determine how these powers get exchanged rather than just one party gets to be dominant now and they get to make all the decisions and you just have to deal with it. Yeah, I think that leads us nicely on to to dealing with that and protecting yourself. And I, I think really the the first thing is to sort of acknowledge early on particularly, but I'd say pretty much forever, BDSM is a path to self-discovery. So people enter BDSM, they engage in DS without really fully understanding themselves. And it's, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like a paradox because a lot of the things you need to do to do it, you know, safely as possible means, um, means if you knew yourself really well, things would turn out a lot better. And I think that's actually where like a lot of risk that we accept in BDSM is we may try to negotiate as well as we can, but you know, if we don't know ourselves, we don't know ourselves. Um, 
and uh, the flip side of that is uh, we're trying to um, it's it is all self-discovery so uh, understanding that and kind of understanding how things will change for you is really important at the same time you know give um, give the things that drive you power so if you think you might be controlling if you've had other partners uh, tell you that there's issues around you being controlling talk you know therapy is is well underrated especially you know we're just shitting on the u.s and it's std care uh we do even worse when it comes to uh mental health if you have the ability to access mental health resources use them how about you evie what um what sort of thoughts do you have about how people can protect themselves I think having strong personal boundaries is always a good first step. I think if you're too pliant with your own personality, with your own needs, it can be really easy to be sucked in by the sort of people who are looking for people to abuse or people to manipulate. And I know all of us are in a position to have like really clear, strong senses of self and strong self-esteem. And that is a continual process that most of us have to go through for the majority of our lives, if not the entire time they're on this planet. But it is something to, to think about and recognize that like, hey, do you kind of have a jellyfish personality where you just go with the flow and you do what everybody else in the group wants to do? You don't really have your own opinions and just do whatever you want to me. That's usually yeah. not a great mindset to go into bdsm with because then it does make it really easy for people with bad intentions to suck onto that right away and by establishing strong boundaries you can counteract that so you can say no no this is this is what i know that i want this is what i know i'm comfortable with and you don't get to dictate for me where my comfort level is i get to dictate that and as you progress into a DS relationship, yes, there are times and situations, usually when you have significantly developed a power exchange where with a trustworthy partner, you can push on and play with some of the things on the edges of your comfort zone, but you don't go completely outside of your comfort zone. Like if, let's say water sports is a complete hard limit for you, no, 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 you don't even be, want to be around the smell of pee or see it or anything. And your partner is like, okay, today we're going to do a water sports scene. Here's a glass of my piss. Now drink it. Like, Jesus. I don't know. Just like a, an extreme example of something that could happen, yeah. right? Like that is a time where you have to stick up with your boundaries and be like, no, asshole, we're not doing that. I don't consent to it. You know this is a hard limit for me. You know that I've said in the past I'm not going to be doing this. Like this is not okay. Whereas somebody who is of a more pliant personality type, somebody who is more go with the flow, might – prioritize their dominance wants over their needs. And I think that's an important aspect to a lot of healthy BDSM relationships that I've seen floating around in this nice little infographic on Tumblr, which for once I don't have a massive problem with. And that would be submissive want submissive needs are over dominance wants. And mm -hmm. the, basically because the submissive and there, oh, yeah. there's more elements to the chart than that, but like the key part that for this part of the conversation is that like as a submissive you have to know what your needs are so the dominant kind of knows what realm they can play in and conversely you know 
where to not allow somebody to just push back or try and run you over. And somebody who has a more pliant personality is going to be in that same situation and go along with it, even if it makes them totally miserable because they don't want to upset their partner. And you can't do that on a regular basis in BDSM. You can play with it a little bit. You, with a trustworthy partner you've known for a long time, but establishing a relationship off of that type of behavior is not how you have healthy BDSM. It's it's not a good groundwork for being able to move forward in power exchange. Yeah, and I I actually I mean that's such a great I mean if I uh, print that on a shirt. I mean, I'm not necessarily saying you because it it sounds like it was somebody else's. You know that that is, and honestly, it goes both ways. Um, both partners. Um, should have their their needs sort of uh, respected first and foremost. Um, and then from there, from kind of like a healthy, safe place, you you can build kind of beyond that. Um, but but until then, uh, you know, uh, you've, you've got to work on that. you got to work on that together. Be there for each other. Love each other. I believe in love. Above all else, love. You know what I mean, String Bean? Yeah. So a little bit of bad news. Well, it's not bad news. It is. It's news. Um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will uh, be um, sad uh, to hear about this. Um, but we will be putting the Kinkier World podcast on a hiatus. Um, I am, I'm happy that we are able to share that with you. A lot of podcasts I love just sort of kind of abruptly have like a last episode. Um, and I'm not saying that this is our last episode, uh, just in kind of stuff, uh, we have been working on together. Um, we, we kind of, there's a little bit of a mix of even with, doing this uh, twice a month, coming up with a topic that we feel like we're able to discuss in this format um, and provide good podcasty type stuff for people. Uh, it's been one of my goals for a long time with this podcast to have other voices on here. And I do hope uh, to have kind of non-regularly scheduled episodes where we have other people kind of like join us and talk and we can put those episodes out there. Uh, it's pretty clear that at least the way we're set up and kind of the way we communicate and the other people we reach out to like this podcast itself, we've, um, and it's really, I, I personally blame myself for not doing more legwork on this. We just haven't been able to go out and get voices uh, that we, that we think y'all would, would like to hear from, uh, and, and just really kind of trying to find topics that we just feel confident of putting out on a regular basis. So like I said, this isn't going to be the last episode. However, this will be the last for now that will be on like a two week cadence. Evie has actually uh, been doing a much better job than I have in reaching out to kink educators, and she's doing more uh, interviews. For those who've listened to it on this podcast channel or on her YouTube channel, she had a really amazing series of interviews she did in association with KinkFest, and she is uh, continuing those. 
and those will be appearing on this podcast uh, feed uh, because I think they're they're a great match for this format. Those the other voices and getting that out there. In the meantime, kind of there will be other stuff. You will continue hearing our voices, just not regularly on SoundCloud. I will always throw out. Um, you can you can usually catch us on Friday nights at uh, six p.m. Pacific time. We do do a live stream that's like two hours long. Um, or well, I, not not always two hours. It's usually somewhere between an hour and forty minutes and two hours. It really just depends on what questions people bring to the table and how much energy I have for a conversation at the end of a work week. <laughs> yep. And honestly, you know, that, that it's, it's, it's great. It's a little more rapid fire. Um, uh, just being perfectly blunt, it's less work for both of us. Um, you know, uh, we, we sort of, we have it set up, we put it on, it goes out there. That type of thing allows us to be a little more free form, kind of send that out. So you will, you'll continue hearing our voices on that medium. Uh, but in the meantime, we will put this a little bit uh, on a pause. Uh, so this specific format, like I said, other interviews from Evie will be coming. And I, you know, we're, we're passionate about like news and popular culture. So I suspect that, um, uh, you know, I, I don't want to make any promises, but one of the things we really do enjoy is talking with our friends, um, and, and other people about like the movies uh, we've watched, like kink movies and kink culture. So, but there's just simply, there's no way we can put out uh, two episodes a month about like kink media. There's just not enough out there short of pornography. And this is not a porn review channel. Um, so uh, with that, yeah, it's, it's a little, I guess it's a little hard to kind of finish those thoughts because it does feel like, um, we, we have gotten a lot of listeners and I have really felt like we've connected with this community. Um, and I'm really proud that we've gotten as many episodes out, uh, that we have. And I think it's just time to realize like, um, where to spend our energy. Both Evie and I are very committed kink educators and, and kink learners ourselves, and engaging with the community. And so, you know, we, we want to make sure we spend our time the best way possible. So yeah, with that, any final thoughts? Well, I shouldn't say final thoughts, but any thoughts on that, Evie? I think I just want to emphasize to people that we are still going to be making content. There will always be ways to ask questions and consume our media. Again, there is that live stream that we do every Friday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. And it'll be really great to see you guys who listen to the podcast uh, come over there to ask questions. And we do cover a lot of the same topics as well. And that's sort of what I've been struggling with is uh, the, the primary thing that I do is make YouTube videos. And I, I hate to feel like I'm making myself an echo chamber across multiple platforms, just yeah. giving the same advice all the time. Uh, but I do make videos twice a week. There are the live streams every week. You guys can, you know, go to Tumblr, ask me questions there, our social media. We may potentially be doing more things in the future, and I am doing interviews again. I have an interview coming up with a kinky and non-kink, like, vanilla hypnotist. Uh, he's pretty much one of the premier people in the field of erotic hypnotism, 
and that's going to be you know that's like an hour <laughs> worth of content for you guys to listen to it's going to be in a couple yep. weeks i have another interview with an ms couple that's going to be up a like a week or two after that one which is also a lot of really great content a lot of really great thoughts and then uh i'm most likely not 100 percent confirmed yet because they don't have their information on and who's going to be presenting but i will likely be working with kinkfest again for more interviews so if you guys have been enjoying the interviews that came out from last year from when i worked from kinkfest last year we're going to be doing more of those so there's going to be more podcast style content coming up that's going to be this sort of longer form chit chat it may just not be with me and mr tex directly yeah i'm really excited i'm jazz there's there's gonna be a lot out there and it's like uh it's important to sort of realize like you know when you're when you're not like as jazzed about like putting something out there versus like just thinking about you know getting you know chatting with friends about a kinky movie recording that and putting that up there yeah so i i find that there's this is the kind of content that I like making. There's not a lot of it that I think is as good in podcast form as it is in a video format. And there, there are a lot of great people who do what we do, who make podcasts that this is their format. This is what works for them. So if you guys don't already listen, listen to Loving BDSM, Off the Cuffs, Erotic Awakening, The Dildorks. There's lots of people out there who are making sex-positive, kink-positive content in podcast format that cover a lot of topics that I do recommend you listen to. So I think with that, uh, we're not saying goodbye, but we're saying, you know, catch us outside, I guess. I was going to say ta-ta for now. Ta-ta, T-T-F-N. So, um, yeah, we're not going anywhere. I mean, it feel it does it does genuinely feel like a little a little sad, but we're not like we're out there, and you know, it's we're um, we're producing like tons of content, and um, you know, feel free to reach out. The Kinkier World, where our website's still going to be up. The SoundCloud's uh, still going to be the place to be. Um, and feel free to reach out on, uh, kinkierworld at gmail.com. If you, um, you know, if, if you have, uh, ideas or if there's like some of our content, like you find better in podcast form, it's, um, you know, I'm happy to have our content available in, in different places for people. So, you know, reach out, stay in touch and, and catch us. So I think that just leaves us to say, uh, ta-ta for now. Ta-ta. Ta-ta.